Welcome to the Lake Forest Podcast, the podcast about the lovely city of Lake Forest, featuring topics like local news, sports, music, people, and food. My name is Pete, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Scoo Walker and Sasha Castle. We all live in Lake Forest. One of the goals of the podcast is to shed light on local issues, and there is no bigger issue lately than the elections yesterday. Take the lawn signs down. Please. Please. A couple things I want to get out there for the people that are listening to the show. Whatever we say on here, I'm sure it's not going to be right. And if something is said by a guest on the show that is wrong, I am not going to, or the show is not going to go into what the person said and cut what they say. We're going to let it go, and then we're going to correct it later. Everybody good with that? Beautiful. Good with that. Okay. Not everybody's going to say the right thing. This isn't, uh, you know, I'm not Walter uh, Cronkite. Uh, I'm uh, I'm a guy that lives in town, like 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 Scoo's a guy that lives in town, drives a Vespa, and, and then uh, Sasha's <laughs> uh, gal walks around town, uh, the very festive pup. We're just out here hey, talking. Hey, about, yeah, Pete, I ride a Vespa. Oh, is that what I that drive. is? You ride, ride bikes. Yes. <laughs> I thought you know, you're correct. excited. I don't so, want you to so get it. I don't want you to get an email correcting you on the proper biking and all that. <laughs> well, well, I'm nearsighted, and based on my history where <laughs> I grew up, when somebody starts coming up to me on a bike, it's like I'm. <laughs> I, I was ready to hop into Dakota Insurance. <laughs> <laughs> you you did give me a funny look. I did give you a funny look. All right. So we're going to do our best not to edit. The only thing we'll edit is like the ums and the ahs and the pauses, but the rest of it, we're going to let it, let it go. Uh, take the signs down. Okay. I did the signs that I put up. I took down today. City did a great job. I, I thought of taking uh, all the signs that, Oh my God, was that a mess? I mean, it was horrible. Those, do those signs actually sway anybody's opinion? No, just, not, just I don't think it. so. Is it just like an ego thing? I mean, I, I'm sure there was a time and a place for it, but is it still? I, I'm just asking. I, I put them up. I was asked to is put them up. Is it at all ego? <laughs> Politics <laughs> yeah, is all guess. ego, isn't it? I, I guess. I think there's some something to be said for name recognition of people don't know, but I like I'll go back to what I said on the last show. I think it for me, voting's really important. So I think it's your civic duty to research candidates. And with the internet, I think there's really no reason not to know who's voting or who's running and what they stand for. I think before maybe signs were a big deal because you had newspapers and you didn't have the internet. So maybe that was yeah. one way of understanding who was on the ballot. But I think we like everything else, we've progressed. Dr. Schaubacher, I interviewed him five times and I still had to have a card to go in there to vote to make sure I got everybody right. You know, and if that's me, how are these signs going to help people figure out who to vote? I don't, it's just so much money that, that is being, that could be applied to something else, you know, like the special ed programs in schools that they're going to need it because of this COVID mess. I'm just saying, okay. Well, I mean, Pete, those, those, those signs are, you know, funded by the caucus and that's what they raise yeah. money for. So, I mean, it's not like my tax dollars are being spent on signs. 
I think like anything, it's fair to say is this, uh, what's the return on the investment? Is that the best use of, of the money? And should it go to mailers or text messages or emails? Or there's many different ways to communicate with, you know, voters. I don't, I don't, I'm not a political strategist. Maybe that's something to discuss with um, Mr. Mellon. Oh, that's right. He's going to come on. I got to have a little coffee with him first before he... We got a little trust issue. We got to get past that. I'm sure we'll. Who's Mr. Mellon? Uh, Phil, uh, the the leader of the campaign. Uh, the blue I sides. I thought he blew blue you side. off. No, no, we made up. You know, we didn't start off okay. on the right foot. You know, a couple clips here and there off of our podcast. Yeah, what's wrong with that? Just some things taken out of context, you know, whatever. But whatever, we're going to get together and we're going to have them on and then we'll hash it out. Because, you know, we're, we're shy people here. We don't like confrontation. Election results. Anything shocking? Not really. Oh, here, here, you want, here, I'll give you something shocking before you get into it, Sasha. Okay. I got a, I got a quote here. From mayor write-in candidate Matt Algini, he says, I look forward to working with the outgoing mayor for a smooth transition. My friends and family are excited to watch my swearing-in ceremony next month. Uh, I think we got this quote around 11 o'clock last night at the Lantern and may not be factually correct, guys. And there may or may not have been a hiccup at the end. Do we know how many votes he got all i saw is what you saw i think uh mayor george got 2500 or so votes and then 2694 i believe 2694 that's why we have you on here Sasha. you know you know i was gonna have the numbers they're not certified yet they of course don't no. have some of the you know it'll take 14 days i believe yeah which is a pretty but sad number well, well i guess that's that's where i was gonna go i mean when i look at the either of the races um, for 115 or 67, when I looked at pre the previous year or 2017, it looked like in 2017, um, there were 16,541 votes, roughly 4135 voters because they could cast a ballot for four people. Um, and then this year there were 19,000 317, so 48, 29 voters. Um, yes, it did go up by about 700. But when I look at that as a percentage of who's actually casting a ballot, I don't have the official numbers, but somebody had told me it was around 22,000. I, I find that a little bit disheartening that that's the only, you know, a small amount of people that are voting. I think when you look at the differential in 2017, the variance from Mormon, who at that time was a caucus candidate, he received 37, 3742 in votes. And the lowest uh, vote winner last time was good with 1344. The differential was 2408. And this year, the difference between Davis and Marshall was 682. So definitely there, all of the candidates really were within 700 votes of each other. Of all the parents that have kids in the school systems, what percentage of them do you think voted? I don't know. That's a great, um, know. that's a great it's question. 
I mean, the numbers like I are said, low. Like I pretty, said, pretty I, low. <laughs> I think it's I think it's very low. And like I said, I I belabored even about my choice in '67, and I had four ballots, and I felt that my I could only, with good conscience, vote for three. That those were the three that I felt strongly about. I think voting is really important, and you know, I I think it's super easy to do with early voting, mail-in voting, and the options for the day of. I, I think there's no excuse. A sense of apathy, but I see this every year. I mean, it's obviously it's a, a quote-unquote hot topic, but just by the you know actions speaking louder than words, obviously it wasn't that hot a topic because more people would have been rushing to vote. Right. I think it is a hot topic, I, and I guess that's my frustration with social media. I see on all the Facebook pages, people are weighing in, even about the library, but you know, people don't speak at the board meetings. They don't listen to the board meetings. That For the library, everyone wants to interchange about it on Facebook, but no <laughs> one's really attending the listening sessions. So I think you know, the proof is in what you do, and there's lots of right. opportunities for us to engage in our community and be a part of making it better outside of complaining about it. Like you said, Scoo, what, join the caucus. That's right. That's, that's the beauty of social media. You can hide behind it and bark as loud as you want. And then when it comes to actually doing something, you know, people can bark all they want, but you have to have a solution on it. And my opinion is there that those barks don't carry any weight if you don't act upon it. So Sasha, just give us the rundown. Did pretty much the the, the caucus uh, recommendations uh, all make it through? Yes. So for for both slates, um, the one fifteen, all the caucus candidates were um, were elected for sixty seven. The same thing. Like I said, I think the thing that was interesting was that the differential and how many people voted. So in sixty seven. The average, let me see, last year, 2017, there were a total of, of 8,700 votes. And on average, 2,900 people voted. This year, it was 10,541, um, so roughly 3,512. But it it wasn't a landslide like it was before. So, I, you know, my my take would also be that people need to work together, be involved, I think if you're frustrated with whatever topic, there's more than just one way to engage. You know, I know that some of the other candidates, I know um, Madeline didn't like the word opponent or opposition, but we'll say the other candidates had talked about IEPs. You know, I think that in general, the school is very open to parents collaborating with them. You know, if you have an IEP, you have a yearly meeting. If there's frustrations, you don't have to wait for that yearly meeting. You know, I, I know that they also talked about curriculum and fads. You know, I would argue that things evolve. So I don't necessarily think these are fads, but some of the curriculum has changed. I think we're all in the same age range, we'll say. I'll estimate everybody's age, but I think we're within a decade, let's say. And when we were growing up, we we memorized multiplication tables. They don't do that now. You know, they can retake tests and the thought isn't, you know, oh, you get a do-over, but it's more about a 
growth mindset. So I do think education evolves. I wouldn't call them fads. And I would just say, if be involved, like I said, watch the board meetings, engage with the principals and your teachers. There's not just on the board, but there are school committees. You can join the APT. You know, there's lots of ways for you to be involved is what I would say. You know, I haven't heard this talked about much, but uh, I, I do another podcast in the mental health arena and we had uh, a notable person come on. This person made a projection that the school boards have not funded, they're going to be lacking funding by at least 80% for special education to deal with all these COVID problems that have occurred over the last year. Have you guys heard if anything not more. about that? Maybe we'll get it from the federal funds or whatever, but. Uh... Look, I think social emotional well-being is definitely something that they're trying to incorporate into every classroom. So not just the homerooms, but also the core subjects. There's actually um, something going on this Thursday from between eight and or seven and eight. There's a virtual parent program. It's run by the Alliance for Early Childhood. It's been posted on a lot of the parent websites and it's about anxious, being depressed, you know, childhood experience during COVID and how to deal with it. So I think there's lots of tools out there. I think it's definitely something that the schools, you know, have to engage in. And I think parents have to engage in it as well. And they need to put more money towards the special needs kids. Well, there's, there's two things. There is social emotional, which would apply to everyone. And there are special needs and special needs can incorporate many things. They can include disabilities from hearing loss to ADHD and learning disabilities. So that's, there's two different things that we're talking about, I think. In general, more money codes toward that should go towards that. Well, does that apply to fiscal responsibility? So- if we spend more money on that, is that, does that mean I'm just playing devil's advocate? I know that that was one of the things that Madeline was very, you know, passionate about that we have to be careful with where we spend our money. Well, if your kid needs it, you're going to be passionate about it, right? Well, I, I, I agree. I'm all for any, anything, whether it's school, what the school is doing, any parent webinar I am listening to every town hall. I am a sponge and I am open to however best I can support my learners. What about our neighbors to to the north, Lake Bluff, uh, Regis, Charlotte? Did I say that right? Is I don't that know a- if it's Charlotte or Charlotte. I don't know, but he won 60 to 40 from Bill Meyer. He received 848 votes and Bill Meyer received 577. So roughly a 60-40 split. And they're both independents? That's that's what it said, yeah. Okay, all right. Is that newsworthy for Lake Bluff? To be uh, honest, I don't know enough about that race. I know that um, Bill, I did see Bill Meyer sent out a, you know, very positive concession. I know the do better recently um, sent out maybe not as um, positive concession. What's a not as positive concession? Uh, they were talking about do the I board, know? Fail, you know, 
Well, I mean, they conceded and they congratulated, but they said um, they blamed 637's board failure. Um, you know, they're going to stay engaged. Okay. You know. What about the uh, the council meeting? Anything go down there? Yeah, that was a bit contentious as well. Um, I, I would say from my opinion, a little disappointing. They did approve the restaurant to go in Market Square, La Colonial. There were things that they needed approval, like first right of refusal. The city, I believe it was, used to be a um, fire station, maybe school you would, do you remember that? Yes. It used to be of significance. So when it was sold, the Fire city police, had a rec center. Yeah, it had a, the city had a first right of refusal. So the city waived that with the condition that if it's sold again, that they get that right of refusal again. Um, and I believe everything was approved. I know that they went through extensive walkthroughs with. Um, the architect and the city inspectors and talked about things that they wanted to do. I know that the owner, I believe it was the owner was on and he's very excited to be a part of Lake Forest. Um, so that was good. Uh, I think the, the more contentious was the condos on Westminster. So basically the planning committee had voted that down twice and it went back to the city council and Karis, Bushman, and uh, Rummel voted to upheld the planning commission's, I guess, recommendation. recommendation to not give the zoning variance and different things. Many of the residents on Westminster talked about um, their concerns, whether it's, you know, how this plan all started how the agenda was not posted until Friday and it was kind of a secret. You know, there were quite a few things. There were some comments made that Kathy Cerniak was violating, I guess, some, I don't know if it would be an ordinance or protocol because she was advocating on the builder's behalf. Um, that's kind of, it goes to the Historic Planning Commission, and I believe they spoke on the city council and said they don't approve this, so it'll, it goes to another committee. I think, in general, a common theme of what many people said was, you have this committee, it's gone to them twice, you empower them, um, that's their reason for being, and now you're not going to do what they're recommending. So that's kind of a synopsis conception people have is that they, these commissions have sole binding authority and they don't. They're advisory. And the right. ultimate decision is the city council. So really shouldn't be upset that the city council did their correct job. And I think it's great that they're finally going to get uh, completed. Well, once again, school, we're on opposite sides. I feel like the three that voted it down they did the duty and they're doing the right thing, but that's cool. You know, we're, we each can have our own it, opinion. It, did you listen it, to it? I did. I always okay. do. And okay. I'm very well so abreast of the whole years that it's taken to get done. Same. And, uh, I've lived it's, here it's, too. It's, it's better than a vacant lot that it would happen if it wasn't done. 
That that's not what they were saying, though. What what originally they were stating is that it was supposed to be a single family dwelling. And they're stating that the residence starts with the Lardino property that's exactly to the west and that the multifamily is at 333. So it stops there and with the Lardino house, that's where single family residence starts. That's, they're not saying keep it empty. They're saying make it what you said it was going to be originally in 2011 or whatever they're or, original date roughly a decade ago and now it's morphed into other things so time will tell and it's moving on to the next committee what is the next issue okay the elections are pretty much over unless something dramatic happens unless scoo's got a trunk full of votes uh he's waiting (laughs) to dump, dump off yeah, elections are over. What should a community be looking at next? What's the next big issues that are going to be coming up that we should pay attention to? Well, I don't know if it's the next big thing, but I think we should be working on coming together and rebuilding. I think it got a little ugly there. And obviously, I would say some people feel, I don't know if it would be disenfranchised. What you know? What I said when Ginger, if I dare to say the G word, Um, When she was on, this started with uh, 67. People were upset when Principal Cardamone was let go. I think people feel that there isn't transparent communication. I I think that coming together as a community, and like I said, my biggest thing is get involved. It Join the caucus. I went on to the caucus website. I see that you can fill out an application at any time. I know there are lots of committees. I'm told that they start putting people on committees starting in September. There's lots of school committees. We'll start to get information on those. They usually come out in August for a September appointment. I think there's lots of ways to get involved. I think small, large you know, I would say the people that did not get elected, they can still, they're still the caucus, right, school We're all the caucus, you know, seek out ways to find solutions. And I don't think it ends here. I think if you are passionate, work with the schools on correcting whatever injustices you think are out there. Well, walk, walk the talk. Well, if somebody's going to complain, at least show that they put some type of effort in, at least voting, right? If I go to Lantern or Chiefs and I hear somebody complaining they didn't vote, they're going to they're gonna get a little something, something. All right, so getting, <laughs> bringing everybody together, I might. Oh, I okay. would just say one thing. I think our yeah. schools are great. I really do. I think that's what's a little bit disappointing, you know, to hear people say they're horrible. I think like anything, they can, we can continue to move the needle and be better. I think, especially at the high school, more kids are taking AP, the scores are steady, more kids with IEPs are taking AP. I think we're moving in the right direction. I've heard great things about Shayla Holland. I know that she's moving on and we're going to get a new principal. Doctor. Doctor. Mr. Simic. He's not a doctor. I would say with that... um, that that whole process, I think they really engaged the community. They gave us surveys. They had feedback sessions with parents and students. They had the Zoom interviews with the different candidates. They asked for feedback on there. I know for the Zoom, there were about 250 parents that were watching. You know, 
I'm hopeful that they're listening and, you know, they're going to make their decision. I believe that it was already supposed to have happened. Uh, offer was extended or per the schedule. I think that they're going to get somebody great to replace Dr. Holland. Um, I think the person that replaced Mr. Cardamone, Mr. Herring at the middle school, I think he's amazing. So I think, I think they are listening that the community wants to be a part of these decisions. And I think we can only get better. Oh, you got anything to add? Yeah, hopefully it's someone within the uh, current system. If not, what they should work on is a succession plan because we shouldn't be going outside the community every time somebody leaves and have no succession plan in place. They should be replacing the principal with someone in-house. And if there's not anyone qualified, that's their task. They should get someone qualified working in the system. That's what every business does with a succession plan. That's what the school should do. So yeah, once again, school, I would say that would be ideal. Of course, you want people to rise up in your organization. I just wouldn't be as limiting. I would want the best person. And whether that's in the system, out of the system, I think everyone needs growth. And I think you know, they should have development plans for all of their people, whether they be teachers or administration, but I wouldn't be limiting who's going to replace her with, you know, it should be somebody in the district. You have a succession plan. You have that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not everybody's ready at the, at the time that somebody leaves, you know, that, that happens. And I think having people outside of the organization sometimes is great. They look at things from a different lens. She was there for six years. She had two, three-year hmm. terms. So that, so that means that six years they could have built someone to replace her. It's plenty of time. We'll see. All right, guys, we're at time. Let me sum things up to make sure I get it right, because I know we screwed up somewhere around here. I just don't know where it was. I'll, I'm sure I'll <laughs> see it in the comments section. As of 11.32 last night, the numbers that we had, it looks like uh, the, the caucus uh, – Endorsed candidates are going to uh, make it through. Congrats to Kim Fall. She led campaign committee. She did a lot of work. Congrats to the executive committee. Who's on that executive committee? Let's give them a quick shout out. Mike Adams, the president. Kim Fall, again, vice president. Dave Perel, treasurer. Wendy Roars, secretary. Eric Feldhaus, external communications. Chris Vernon, my IT wizard, internal communications. And Stephanie Cook, fundraising. Great job, guys. Great job. And then a little special shout out to Bob Worobow. He uh, he reached out to us and said, hey, guys, you're doing a halfway decent job on the show. I said, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> oh, man, it's been rough. Holy cow, it's been rough. All right, we're going to close it out, guys. Thanks for listening to The Lake Forest Podcast. Please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and smash that like button on Facebook, Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. Let us know what you'd like to hear about on the upcoming shows. Again, I'm Pete. It can be reached at Pete at Lake Forest blog. The link will be in the podcast notes below. On behalf of my co-hosts, Stu and Sasha, have a great day and happy hump day.